speaking to Naomi, telling her, I'm not going to leave you. I don't care if you ask me to go. I don't care if you want me to go back home. I'm staying with you, and I'm going to be here with you this entire time. But in order to understand where this verse is coming from, we got to go back to the beginning of the story. It's found at the beginning of Ruth. And it says, in the days when judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live there for a while, or sorry, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His son's The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malin and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem. And they went to Moab and they lived there. See, when I read this, I had to do a little bit of research. Because I know that when God names something, there's intention behind it. So first, I look at Bethlehem. Did you know that the land, the name Bethlehem means house of bread? They were leaving Bethlehem. And the name Ephrata, which is also where they were from, means fruitful. And they were leaving this land because there was a famine, because they were hungry, because they were needing some help. And they were escaping this famine and they moved to this land called Moab. Now, I find it kind of crazy because they left a land that was meant to be fruitful, a land that was meant to provide for them, to a land that means of the Father, from the Father. So they were escaping this place intended to provide. 
intended to give them everything that they needed, thinking they were running away to get help, not realizing that it was from God. I think of life being like this sometimes. We come to this place we call church. We come to this space hurting, in pain, empty, hungry, needing for God to do something different, needing for God to move in our lives, asking for answers. But we come so hungry and so bound and so hurt and so angry and overwhelmed. We come here wanting more from God, right? But we leave the same way. Or we leave even worse. Those are chains holding on to us. We're bound by life. We're not living in the freedom that God has in store for us. And I think that comes from not allowing ourselves to surrender. Not allowing ourselves to say, God, you're in control. God, you take over. God, I trust you. God, I can't do it by myself. When we surrender to God and we give up what we're holding on to, we get to live in his overflow. We get to live in what he has promised us. We get to live in the plentiful land that he has given us. And we find freedom. I'm going to get back to the story. So in Ruth, same chapter, looking at verses 3, 4. And five. It says, now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. So you're telling me that they left hungry from a plentiful place to a place that was from God, and now they're experiencing death? Not long after Elimelech died, their sons married. They married two Moabite women, one named Orpah and one named Ruth. But about 10 years later, they died. Her sons died. Look, I don't know about you, but I don't think Naomi's catching any kind of breaks around here. Um, It's just one hit after the other. They're hungry. They leave. They go to a place that is from God, and then their fa- her family dies. She's left alone. She's left in pain. She's left hurting. She's left hungry and not understanding why God keeps throwing all these things at her. But what she doesn't realize is that, is that she really isn't alone. We feel like that. When the world feels like it's just coming down and beating us up, like we can't catch a break, we feel like we're all alone. But see, Naomi, although she thought that, there were still two women around that were there. Orpah and Ruth. 
See, we're not meant to be alone. The Bible tells us we're not meant to be alone. I believe in this moment, God intended for these other two women to be there. He knew that they were all going to be feeling it. He knew that they were all going to be in pain. He knew that they were all going to be hurting. But he brought them together at the perfect time, in the perfect place for this moment. After this, Naomi decided to go back home. She decided, you know what? I heard that the famine is over, so I'm going back home. I know people there. I have friends there. I have family there. I'm done with this place. It has done nothing but hurt me. It's done nothing but bring sorrow and pain to my life. She says, I'm out. And she tells her daughters-in-law, let's go. I'm leaving. On their way there, she was like, you know, she was processing the whole situation. She was thinking about it like, wait, I'm going back home. But these girls are from here. They're still young. They were married to my sons, but they can still be married. They can still bear children. They can still leave a legacy in life. So she stops and she tells him, stay here, go back home, go with your families. There's nothing for you with me. Go back home. Now, they were like, no, we're not leaving you by yourself. I mean, I don't know how old this woman was, but they were like, I'm not leaving you. We love you. We care for you. We can't leave you by yourself. We can't let you go on your own. We want to be with you. Naomi was like, I have nothing to offer you. I have nothing for you. I don't have any children. I don't have any more sons for you to marry. If I was to get married right now and have some kids, like, it's not going to work. You're going to wait for them. Like, do you know how, old, how long this is going to take? You're going to be like, mm-mm, mm-mm. It's not going to work. So, Orpah was like, fine. I'll go back. I'll go back to my family, back to my home. And she moved on. But Ruth wasn't having it. That's when we find out. That's when we find out what Ruth said. Where you go, I'll go. I'm going with you, like it or not. You and me, we ride or die forever. This is what we do. I love you. You know what's crazy? Do you know what Ruth's name means? Anybody? Her name means companion. You remember the the names of the lands, right? Plentiful, fruitful, a land that was meant to provide. It moved to a land from God, from the Father. This whole time, Naomi thought she was alone, but God had sent her a companion. He sent her a companion. You know, 
we have God. And we have the Holy Spirit. And he's already gifted him to us. But sometimes we need a physical being with us. Sometimes it's hard to grasp the intangible God that we think is intangible. But truly he's gifted us people to walk this life with us. They're purposed for us. And we're purposed for them. They had known each other for only 10 years. Around 10 years. That's what the Bible tells us. They weren't best friends from childhood. They didn't know each other from when they were little. Naomi had come into Ruth's home land, her city, her town. They'd known each other 10 years. Not just that, but they were in-laws. It's not like they were sisters or cousins or friends. Like, like they were in-laws. Now, I don't know about you, but um, some of the relationship in-law experiences that I've seen or that I've observed or that I've heard about, they're not that tight. I mean, let's be real. They're not that tight. And it's really sad, but it's true. But when we look at this and we look at Ruth and Naomi, they're tight. They're tight. I don't know what Ruth's relationship was with her mom. We don't know. But what we do know is that she loved Naomi and that Naomi loved her and that they cared for each other and that they loved deeply. Now, when I was younger, there was this movie that I liked. Now, this movie kind of made me a little bit jealous when I thought about it because I'd be in school and I'd see people like young people, right? Like we're little kids and everybody had best friends. It didn't matter First grade, second grade, third grade, third grade especially, and then I got older, sixth grade, high school. There were always people that I knew that had known each other for the longest time. There were always people who had best friends from when they were kids. I wanted that. I wanted it so bad. But I couldn't have it. I mean, I could, technically. Matter of fact, I did have it. I just didn't know it. I did have it. God has always been my best friend. He's never left me. I've never actually truly been alone. He was always there. I remember having, you know, conversations even as a child with him and just asking him for things and talking to him about things. I was never truly alone, but I didn't see that. I saw what other people had, and I wanted it. Back to the movie. Anybody heard of My Girl? Way back in the day. My Girl was about this little girl called Veda Sultanfuss and Thomas J. They were two peas in a pod. They loved each other. They cared for each other. I remember in the movie, Veda would stick up for Thomas J., when all the other kids would be mean to him. She was like, leave him alone. Don't bully him. She, they'd always be running around together. When I saw their friendship on TV, I thought to myself, that's the kind of friendship I want. 
I want somebody who cares for me like that. I want somebody who loves me like that. I want somebody who rides for me like that. But like I said, I moved around. I moved from second grade, third grade, I moved to a different state. Into sixth grade, I started school in one state, ended up in another state halfway through the year. Even in high school, I moved. So I felt, in a sense, I felt cheated. I felt like, when am I ever going to get a best friend? Like, come on, Lord. I've been going to church my whole life. Where's mine at? My whole life. I had friends, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm likable, right? <laughs> I had friends. I had lots of friends. I had friends who I had for years. I had friends, you know, we hung out. You know, we did things together. It was fun. But even in that fun, I knew something was missing. Some of those friends, I realized, were not good for me. Some of those friends, instead of pouring into me, they pulled from me. Or they prevented me from walking in the path that God has for me. They got me into things I shouldn't have been into. But see, at the time, they were my friends, so it was cool. I was like, you got my back, I got your back, we're good. But it was toxic. It was hurting me. I didn't realize it at the time. But I look back now and I thank God for the relationship. But I'm also grateful that, I'm not, that we're not where we were anymore. I'm even grateful that we're not friends. Because I know today that if we were where I'd be or where I wouldn't be. See, growing up in the church, there was this verse that I would hear at Sabbath school or Sunday school. For If you don't know what Sabbath school is, it's kind of like a little class that we get to learn about the Bible. It was this verse found in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. I didn't know what that meant. I was like, cool. I mean, or whatever. Like, okay, what, is, what does that mean? Iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. Like, what is, how do, how do I make that work for me? It wasn't until I actually experienced this verse for myself that it came to life. It was about seven years ago. A little bit over. It was about a week before Megan and Joy got married. There was a death in my family. It was my little cousin. He was three months old. His name was Abram. He died suddenly. He suffocated. We don't know. I remember that day clearly. I remember what I felt. I remember the pain. Like it was physical, 
I remember realizing that there was a wedding coming up. And I remember feeling guilty. I mean, I was hurting, right? But I still felt guilty because I knew there was a chance I wasn't going to be able to be there for my friend. I knew there was a chance I was going to let her down. So I called her, and I told her what happened. And I remember talking to her and telling her I was sorry. I'm probably not going to be there. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know when the funeral is. I don't, I don't know. You know, she didn't make me feel bad. She didn't make me feel worse. Not that she understood what I was feeling, but she understood what I needed. See, she allowed God to use her to get to me. And she took that moment to pray for me. See, I never had a friend do that. I never had a friend just take a second out of their time to truly love on me the way that she loved me. I'll never forget that. That moment in our friendship changed everything. I look back and I think of that moment and I felt at peace while she was praying. Like in the midst of all the chaos, there was still peace that I felt in my heart when she was like, can I pray with you? Can I pray for you? That was a really hard week for me. I did go to the wedding. Well, I came to the wedding ceremony. But that same day, we had the funeral. So I was here at the time of the wedding, and then I went to the funeral afterwards. But see, in my heart, I was just like, I have to be there. I know I'm hurting, I know it sucks, I know I'm in pain, but I can't let her down. Not that she was going to be let down by me. That's just how I felt, because that's how much I care about our friendship. That's how much I care about our relationship. Her willingness to love me the way that Jesus loves me is what changed how I approach friendships and relationships today. The way she loved me in that moment at that time changed it all. It was a game changer, like for real. I didn't know what that was like. I didn't know that people could love me like that. I knew I loved hard. I knew I loved my friends. I knew I would do anything for them. But I did not realize that people could love me the way that I love them. I did not know that that love was real. There was another time I had this kind of experience. It was with my friend Missy. See, one day, I showed up at her doorstep. It was like eight, nine o'clock. 
I showed up crying. I was bawling my eyes out. She didn't know I was coming. I didn't text her on my way. I didn't even know who was gonna open the door. I was at the door crying, didn't know what I was gonna say, didn't even know what was going on, why I was so hurt. I just had this idea of something that was going on in my family. But she opened the door. I'm telling you, like, God was like, Missy, go get the door. Because it could have been anybody. It could have been Pastor. It could have been Sister Weber. It could have been one of the kids. But he sent her to open. Like, he knew I was coming for her. Right? He knew I was coming to talk to her. He knew I needed her. And she opened the door. And she came out. And we just talked. She just talked. She's like, what's wrong? And I told her, I was like, I don't know what's happening, but I know what I saw, and what I saw doesn't look good. The pain that I saw in my brother's eyes, and the pain that I saw in his wife's eyes, I knew something was bad. In my spirit, I felt like, they were about to break up. That's what I felt, just because of how things were. That's how I felt. Essentially, that's what happened. They were getting a divorce. That hurt me. See, my parents have been together my whole life. So I had no idea what that felt like. It wasn't like I was in the middle of their marriage or like I was their child that was going to feel this my family's breaking up kind of thing but that was my brother and I understood that their children were going to feel this and I understood the pain and heartache that he was feeling and that she was feeling and that they were feeling it was all going to be our family's emotional breakdown because it hurts when something breaks It hurts. She took the time just to talk with me. She prayed with me. And again, I felt that peace. Again, I knew that God was with me. I wasn't alone. I could have said I felt like I was alone. That was true. But he put these people in my life for a purpose. And it wasn't just for those little moments. I mean, we have fun. We go out. We go to concerts. We go, you know, girls' trips. I mean, it's not just about the hard times that he gives us these people for. But he gives us people to love us, to be there for us, to pour into us. I wonder if when Ruth told Naomi... Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. I wonder if in that moment, Naomi felt the same peace that I felt. I wonder if that comforted her, if that helped her realize that she wasn't alone. 
I wonder if that helped her recognize God's gift to her in that moment, in the hard time. I wonder. I believe she did. I believe there was a moment of, wow, God. See, Ruth, uh, Naomi, through all the pain and hurt she had gone through, she was bitter. She was already mad at God. She was already like, God doesn't love me. He don't care for me no more. Don't, she, she even said, she gave herself a new name, which meant bitter. I believe it's Mara. She said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mara means bitter. She was bitter. She was mad. But I think in that moment, she had a light bulb go off and say, oh, he hasn't left me. Even though she still, like, she was carrying on that pain. But I believe she still, in that moment, realized that she wasn't alone. And when she agreed to Ruth going with her, I believe she felt his comfort and his love on her. When we surrender to God, when we give over our control to him, we give him permission to do the unthinkable. We give permission to love differently. We give permission to see life differently to live life differently, to experience people and relationships differently. We open up the opportunity to love people the way that God loves us. You know he loves you, right? Like he really loves you. These Relationships, call them God-sent relationships. Because God sends people to us, for us, to be with us. The Bible says in John chapter 15, verses 12 through 13, My commandment is this, love each other in the same way that I have loved you. We're not meant to do, sorry, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. We're not meant to do this alone. He didn't intend for us to be by ourselves. Go back to the beginning, Adam and Eve. Adam was alone for a long time, but God didn't leave him alone. Adam didn't even realize he was alone because he had God. He was walking with Jesus. And he had the animals whom he had a job of naming. He didn't even realize until he saw that these animals were two by two, that he was alone. He was like, wait a minute, God. What about me? That's how I felt. What about me? What about my best friend? What about my people? Like how, like all these people have people. Where's my people at? You know, I I wanted that.
Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Right there. We're not supposed to be alone. We need each other. We need one another in this life. We're meant to do it together. I don't know if you think that you're good all by yourself. I don't know if you think I already have friends. I don't need any more friends. I don't know if you think maybe you're not good enough for a friend. You're good enough. Surrender to God and he'll pour into you everything that you need. four people in my life more than that but at least four and that circle for me keeps growing and I want it to continue to grow because the more it grows the more people get that love the more people that are affected by the kind of love that we share as friends the more people that get to experience God's love through me and through them. Like, I want to grow this friendship circle that I have to be hundreds, thousands, doesn't matter. Whatever number God places on me. He's given me a heart for people. And he's given me people to love me and to remind me of how much he loves me. to be the light of the world right we're meant to be lights of this world Jesus lives in us and he radiates through us and his love pours out of us that's why we love each other that's why the verse talks about loving like Jesus I want you to love like me I want you to care like me I want you to see people like me a greater purpose than to just fill these chairs every week. You have a greater purpose than to just come and see what's happening up here and get to hear what God is saying, but just leave the same. You're not meant for that. We aren't meant for that. This place we come to is meant to fill us. Is meant to give us what we need. It's meant to help us carry on the rest of the week and carry on into our lives, into the people that we see every day. When we go out there, that's where the game begins. That's where we get to run plays. Because Jesus has given us the resources that we need here in this place, right? So today, 
I want us to ask God to connect us with somebody. If you have somebody, great. If you don't, that's okay. And if you're unsure, I promise you, just surrender. Give it a chance. He'll show you what's up. He'll show you his love. He'll show you how to do it. He'll show you what it looks like. Give God a chance. So today, I want to ask for God to give us someone, someone new. I want to, I want to ask God to give us the heart that he has for people so that we can love them the way that he loves us. God to give me more people that can love me and whom I can love back. I want to live in the overflow that we talk about all the time. I want to live in God's overflow, not just for the front and the face of what it looks like. It looks great, right? We talk about it. I don't want to just say it. I want to live it. I want to live in what God has purposed me for. And I want you to live in the purpose that he's given you. This is what it looks like for me. The way that my friends love me, the way that God has given them to me, the way that he's shown me who he is in my life. It's a big deal. It's a big deal for me. Because if it wasn't for what he does for me, if it wasn't for the relationship that I have with him, and if it wasn't for the relationship that my friends have with him, this wouldn't be happening. Those experiences wouldn't have come. So will you stand with me real quick as we pray? somebody for you, even if they're not in this room. He's got somebody for you. He has more than one somebody. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the gift of Jesus and the relationship that we have with him. Thank you for speaking to us today, Lord. I pray that your words were clear. I pray that we can feel your presence and that we can see who it is you want us to be friend. Lord, I pray for anyone who, like me, is seeking this type of friendship, is seeking to find someone who loves them the way that you love us.
the eyes to see people the way that you see them. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We ask that you just do a miracle in our lives. That we can love like Jesus. We love you, Lord, and we're grateful for you. And we praise your name. Put your hands together.